0: listening to the charge house This
1: the it's the Happy Hour Minisode Alcoholica Edition, where we get to talk about Metallica. They are a group that we, in the past two episodes over the past two weeks, have ranked their albums from worst to first, and now me, Evan Soddy, co-creator Taryn O'Reilly, and special guest singer-songwriter Phil O'Reilly are here in the studio to talk about everything else related to Metallica that is not their artistic aims or achievements. I mean, we'll talk about some of that, sure, including this very important question that we ask at the top of every Happy Hour Minisode in our segment sponsored by Red Robin. Uh, everybody, what is... <laughs> <laughs> your least favorite Metallica song. Attitude. <laughs> you know Attitude, attitude off Take Lulu. Take some time to think about it. <laughs> I mean, and I and I think we can use the spoiler of not going with anything off Lulu, because you know, any song would do. Uh but uy, um, I think I think I know Phil's.
0: Well, uh, Murder Murder 1, I I did say that Um, it it has to be something off of Load and Reload, uh, but I can't, the, the, the problem is I can't, Focus enough on how what those some of those right. songs sounds
1: like. Wasting my enough? hate, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of
2: a lot of the problem with I mean the songs we didn't mention on Load and Reload is is that they sound like deeply generic, generic yeah. late nineties rock. You
1: open the album with "Ain't My Bitch" and I still don't know how it goes. I've listened to it like five fucking times. <laughs> it's like it's that bland.
0: Well, they haven't played it since that tour, so that Good. Kinda shows fuck their em.
1: Uh... fuck them. <laughs> Uh, what do I would to say about that. Uh, now, no, no, Phil, you said you might have a second uh, nominee for least favorite. Probably,
0: um, so. yeah, I would say um, little dog. Probably, let's go with. Um, I'm going to say uh, confusion. Probably, okay. Uh, oh, maybe, wow. so, maybe something. Maybe like on the on hardwired to self destruct, the most unnecessary double album. Like it's like you could have. It
2: <laughs> literally is under. 80 minutes. It, yeah, It could have all fit on a single disc.
0: And you could have made it even less by cutting off... The, like, Murder making, One and Confusion. It, it's not like they're earlier in their career they didn't have eight songs, uh, albums that are only eight songs long. Cut four of the shitty ones and leave it as... It still would have probably been about an hour at least. Yeah, they're but Lars doesn't songs. want to do that. Uh, it's, it's, I mean... <laughs> We've been enjoying Evan's <laughs> Lars impression throughout the entire uh, taping here. So,
1: let's, before we do anything else, there's a lot to talk about. Phil's going to let us know about a lot of the live things. I want to talk about two things out the gate, though. I'm going to talk about their movies, because we watched them. For the record, sure. I, for, it has been available for the longest time, and I've deliberately held off on fucking watching uh, the goddamn Some Kind of Monster film until this week, because I wanted to be in the moment. So glad I did. For a movie that's two hours and 45 minutes long, it breezes the fuck by. That's how
2: long that was? Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it really, uh, I mean, a lot fucking I happens. was wrapped in stand that go so you Stab you fa-
1: your back so you won't stab mine. My favorite, my favorite. Yeah, exactly. My favorite thing of all is them recording radio promos, though. That was, like, my favorite thing. Very hey, funny. uh, this is James Metallica. You can win $5,000 by calling this fucking number right here. Like, they have to do this. <laughs> and then, like, hearing from the label, no, you need to do this. Because it's kind of one of those... If you don't do this, they're not going to play your next album. Like, fuck that shit, man. Really? That's how it works? It's
0: interesting that, that Metallica, that late in their career, would have to bow down to what radio wants. Yeah. It's like, I would think that they wouldn't... Like, radio would ask them to play their stuff, you know? Like- <laughs> right, right. That's,
2: that's what I'm thinking, too. But maybe because Load and Reload were so not well
0: received in general compared yeah, to compared era, to the black album i mean there's still multi selling so, yeah, right well, so, right right you know but
2: yeah critically and and in in the the fan reception was not as as strong and i you know the black album then was a full 12 years before yeah. saint anger came out sure, sure, so sure, so it enough. makes some sense that they would have lost a bit of their clout
1: yeah Although, I will say uh, that moment when uh, Lars plays a song for his dad in the studio, kind of this weird, airy vocal epic, and his dad is, like, not about it at all. His dad, who, by the way, apparently is a part-time wizard. Uh, on the still alive, by
0: the way, just yeah, turned yeah. uh, 92. Un- I follow incredible. Lars on Instagram and... Uh... Which is uh, a word that a phrase that I never thought I would say. <laughs> it might be the first time the sentence has ever been spoken. To <laughs> I it am his only mister. follower, actually. Yeah, that
1: uh, but it's, it's it's just. I mean, the whole thing was so fascinating. The psychiatrist that they have in the shrink to help them through all these things. I will say, I mean, aside from that, and aside from him writing his little notes about being in the zone and living around the studio, was such a weird move. Because also Bob Rock is there, like what. What's what, what's happening? What's going on with this? But I will say, Taryn brought up one thing earlier was that during the part of the film when James left to check himself into rehab and was gone for obviously an extended period of time to work on what he needed to work on, uh, them bringing in Dave Mustaine to confront Lars about what he had been through was a surprisingly emotionally effective moment that in that film.
2: was, Yeah, that was probably the hardest part to watch, but also one of my favorite sections mm-hmm. was not just that it happened at all, but Partially that Lars was receptive to letting it happen, and then in the confrontation, was not confrontational. Just, just sort of let Dave Mustaine tell him about the struggles that he had gone through with this shitty toxic fan base that Metallica has. <laughs> And, and, you know, screaming at him on the street that he was worthless and a, a piece of garbage because he wasn't good enough for Metallica.
0: Um, and how that, like, always held him back was, was really striking. Well, and for those that don't know, uh, what they're talking about is that Dave Mustaine was the original lead guitar player in 1982 into 83. He was kicked out uh, for... His uh, alcohol and drug issues, which was very ironic considering they're all, when <laughs> when you made the joke of Alcoholica at the top of the episode, that was their nickname for yeah. a very long time because they were all heavy, heavy alcoholics. Well, but the it, difference was yeah. Mustaine was kind of more aggressive when he got that way. And so he was kicked out, like, basically, like, in the middle of tour, told to, like, pack your shit and get out of here and formed Megadeth kind of almost as, like, a revenge, in, <laughs> in a sense, and has kind of always had to be second place. Like, Metall- Megadeth never really reached the commercial success. Um, you could argue that they might be more technically superior. And um, solo-heavy and pun-heavy. Yeah, um, but, I mean, I'm not a huge Dave Mustaine fan, because he is kind of a dick, but, uh, if you're, sorry if you're listening, Dave. You gotta give Good me a listen. No uh, but, uh... But I do agree, that is a very heavy and vulnerable moment. Um, and interesting for them to be that vulnerable. So.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that's sort of the part of why some kind of monster as a film is so fascinating and keeps you, you know, fixed to the screen is because of the the reputation that Michaelica had in my head was the antithesis of bringing in a group therapist to Mm -hmm. work through their problems and checking yourself into rehab for a year because you know you need to do this for yourself and for the long-term health of your band. And and, your family. And not just just doing those things, but also filming and Mm -hmm. releasing and letting the public in Mm -hmm. on that whole process. It could have been very easy for them to keep 100% of all of that completely private. And the fact that they were willing to show that to the world honestly really changed my opinion about them as people. And and sort of helped me go back and appreciate more of the intelligence in their music. Mm -hmm. Because, again, they have this reputation. I think think who they are as musicians and as artists is a completely different thing from the reputation that their fan base has sort of given them at large to people who aren't as familiar with that. sure
0: sure yeah I agree with you on on all of that I I would also add that um you know it's it's uh, it was definitely a turning point uh, they became much more much more vulnerable in, in in some of their music too later and it was definitely like you know they don't have to be like the machismo rock stars that they were earlier in their career anymore my 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 favorite scene is the scene um, just talking about like. Private, like no way that did they have to show this, but they did. The fight that James and Lars had in the studio, yes. Where basically James calls Lars out for being a dick, Mm -hmm. and he's like, "You're you're picking at me, like what have you?" He's like, "I told you I'm in a crappy mood. What have you been doing, picking at me all day?" And Lars is like, "I don't get it. You're over there being an asshole to me." And it's like it's it's interesting because at this point, those two guys have been friends for twenty years. And it's it's kind of almost like it, you it, you see the the relationship through too when you add Kirk in the middle trying to say hey guys let's just stop fighting it with each other and Kirk has often said that that was his role throughout all of Metallica was getting between James and Lars and yeah. trying to be like guys Kirk
2: <laughs> is one of the chillest people <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've heard, the way I've he ever, can
2: play he's like yeah is like just in a zen state pretty much. Constantly, all of the footage I've seen of Kirk, he just seems like a really nice. He's a golden retriever sweet, of a boy. chill dude. Yeah, yeah. He also happens to be one of the best guitarists who's ever lived. Yeah. Like it's just yeah, yeah. It's just, and it's and it's such a weird contrast to see him in the band with these two huge egos.
0: Now, yeah, that, yeah. Like I, I, of course, well, he's it balances movie. out. It balances out. Um, you know, Hatfield, especially in their early days, is this big like. He's a huge guy, first of all, like yeah. just in size, and then he's just like he—he plays plays typically these massive-sized rhythm guitars that explore bodies that are typically bigger and mm-hmm. and just like you know belting out like this big presence. And then Kirk's just off to the side, just ripping the solo and just kind of calm. It's yeah. like a really nice Concept. balance.
1: Although it's interesting, though, because as much as we love him, uh, Taryn was reading some stuff of what Jason Neustad had to say about the documentary after it came out. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: well, also I mean, he said it in the documentary that he thought them hiring a therapist was weak and lame when they couldn't bother to figure these problems out on their own. And that was actually, like, the straw that broke the camel's back with him quitting the band. There were many other factors, including James telling him he couldn't do a side project, which is bullshit. Right. Um, Like, you're in the biggest band of the world. He can record one other album, and he's not gonna just suddenly stop being in Metallica. Y'all aren't doing shit right now, but whatever. And And so then them hiring the group therapist was like, he was like, I'm out. And it just... You know right, and that and that that one thing sort of uh highlights, I think, what was prevalent in their earlier career, which we sort of purposefully didn't touch on in the main episode of just the misogyny and the yeah, <laughs> the lack yeah. of respect for the human that sort of prevalence. Well, that's what, that's what I mean. That's, that's
0: that's unfortunately. The stereotypes behind Thrash Metal is that it's very, um... Bro-heavy. Very bro-heavy, very misogynist, very homophobic, very, um, in some cases, racist even. Like, it's just, there's there's a lot of that. But what's interesting is it's like they kind of... That's why whenever I talk about how Metallica is nowadays, whenever I talk to, like, my parents about Metallica, I always bring it up like, yes, they were like that in their early career, but they're not like that now. Yeah. And it's like, they're, and and what's interesting is a lot of their peers, Megadeth, uh, I almost called them Sailor, Slayers, Anthrax, all those guys, never really changed that from their, and it's like, Metallica was kind of the one band to be like, you know, we don't really need to be these machismo assholes anymore, Mm -hmm. we can kind of change, it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to, like, kind of change that about how we are. Yeah. Uh, But I totally agree. I mean, (laughs) there's unfortunately a lot of that. It was, I mean, Thrash Metal was created because they were like, we're not going to put on makeup and be like girls. Yeah. We're going to play heavy, angry music and have belts made out of bullets and stuff. Like, you know... But I so. will say, it was kind of nice seeing the
1: diversity of people that they had for their bassist auditions and Some Kind of Monster 2. Yeah. It was nice seeing, like, yeah. this female bassist is rocking the fuck out, and then here's Robert Trujillo not even using a fucking pick because he's just going to crab walk his way. I love Robert Trujillo, oh man. He's so Dude. funny. Like He, comes, right. in
0: and he, he comes in he comes and he's like, I'll let you gush about him in a second. I just want to no, say one thing, ahead. which is which is that I love how he comes in and he's like, they're like, so what what's on you? Want? He's like, I can try Battery. It's like the most aggressive heavy song they have yeah. from the top, and they're like, "You want to do battery?" Lars is like, <laughs> Lars is like "Okay, I guess I'll have to stretch." Like yeah. it's like, and, and then he just nails it. and They even say that after they're like, "It hadn't been played that way since Cliff Burton." Yeah, mm-hmm. which is like, and not even with a pick. He's well, just well, just yeah, yeah, he just yeah, and to hear them time. say
2: like, "You make us play better." I mean, I think that's that's the the highest compliment you can give yeah. a musician. Is like you make for other that musicians to say, play better.
0: Like the, the amount of ego those guys have for right. them to say that to him is pretty telling. And how, how would you like to be um, get a new job? And be offered a million dollar <laughs> advance. Right. Right. That, yeah. just, Lars is like, "We're going to give you a million dollars, whether you want to join or not. Here's a million dollars, just like, to show you how serious we are." And, and, and I mean, like, you're instantly a millionaire, like right yeah. off the bat. Yeah, it was so great.
1: But then I would say that it was nice to see all of that together, and it broke the band in a new, different way. It made them see in a different light. But one thing I liked about it is that Lars did say that they are an impulsive band. And it's one of those things where I never really thought about it, but it really is true. They just kinda of say yes to whatever, because honestly, a band of that nature that has lasted that long then being like Symphony of Metallica. Sure, let's keep doing it. like let's just do that. I it's surprising. I yeah.
2: love the story behind that too. Mm-hmm. When we were watching the, the talk about the black album, um, and the guy who did the strings on Nothing Else Matters. The elevator version. Right, the elevator
1: version. Michael Kamen.
2: Yeah, they they sent over... He sent over the staffs for it and then, like, never heard back from them. The record came out and he was like, oh, there's not very much of my arrangement in there. You know, they, they sort of liked it, fine. And then he goes backstage... And uh, at, some
1: awards, show or at
2: some awards show and was like, hi, nice to meet you. I did the arrangement for Nothing Else Matters. And they were like, oh my God, so great to meet you. We love that. And he was like, really? You didn't really use much of it. And then they played him the elevator version, which was just vocals, guitar, and the string arrangement. And that was when he suggested the SM collaboration. And they were like, oh, sure, that sounds great. He left, didn't hear for them for... I think he said six years. Yeah. And then six yeah. years later, they got back in touch with him and were like, hey, uh, you mentioned a little bit ago about doing a, a album with an or a, a live performance concert with a symphony orchestra. And he was like, a little bit ago. Was
0: that like, was a lifetime. Yeah, it was like a half decade ago. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: like, you guys still remember that? I mean, sure.
1: <laughs> I, but yeah, yeah, I love that. But I will say, We then watched the other Metallica film that is currently available via Blackened Productions. We watched Metallica Through the Never. And let me just say, as a concert film, it kicks a lot of ass. Holy shit. It was so much fun. I love the props. Everyone looks like they're having a good time. And I know it's for a film, but like... And
2: that's... I mean, we were like... Ten minutes in, I'm going shit. They still play like this in 2013. Like we'll see them on their next tour. Yeah, Dude, they like, st-
0: they still play like that now, man. I don't, I, mean, I, really, I, don't like, I don't doubt yeah. it at all. I mean, yeah.
2: they they still sound fucking immaculate. Um, and I, it was a it just as a concert film, it's a really fun experience for sure.
1: Yeah, the only problem is that there is a narrative they tried to do on top of it. With well, Game you on. asked
0: me about it, and I told you that I said the concert footage is some of the coolest stuff you ever see the narrative is kind of like,
1: oh, okay. I don't know what the, well,
0: It needed to decide what the fuck it wanted to be. They forgot to it it never finish it. Yeah.
2: I, is what it feels like to me. Uh, like, I agree. That, like, e- either include a narrative or don't include a narrative. Like, if you're going to... If you just want cool visuals to go with music... Then just do that. Don't try to them. don't yeah. try to connect them with a the narrative because the whole Dane DeHaan out
0: in the city
1: fighting off random just... uh, purge style rioters. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. yeah. Well,
0: here's a couple of fun things about <laughs> through the number for me. So first off, that year was the year I saw Metallica live. Yeah. and they they had a they have a, a they had a festival for two years called the Orion Festival, where basically they headlined. And it was just they picked a bunch of bands and then it was all about Metallica. There were like different like uh, exhibits of all their old gear and stuff that mm. was super cool. So um, the year I went was the second year, which wasn't as successful, which is why they stopped doing it. And actually they the first year they headlined both nights. The second year that we went, they shared the headlining with the Red Hat Chili Peppers for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why Flea inducted them in the whole Hall of Fame, probably. But it was so it was really cool. And I'll get more into the performance later. But the the uh, through the never connection with the Orion Festival is the first night. That they during the day they did a surprise set be, to coincide with Kill 'Em All's thirtieth anniversary, mm-hmm. where they surprised everybody under the pseudonym De- Dehan and played kill them all front to back on like, a side stage, which is really cool. Fun. Um, but my Through the Never experience was um, my uh, friend Justin and I, who were, uh, I kind of got Justin into Metallica, had planned on going to see the movie the day of it, and we got tickets for like 7 o'clock that night. And then I read on their Facebook page that several different, uh, uh, the four of them were going around to different theaters all over the country doing premieres at, at the midnight premiere. And Kirk Hammett was gonna be at the one in Rosemont. Wow. So I I was like, dude, I know we already have our tickets for later in the day, but we're going at midnight, man. So we go, and sure enough, uh the movie's about to start, and Kirk Hammett walks out oh. in the flesh, and he's and again, <laughs> the chillest dude ever, right? He's like you could tell that it was like, dude, the dude probably just caught a red-eye from, like, <laughs> from L.A. or wherever, San Francisco. And he's like, yeah, uh, the movie's great. Um, and my favorite part is Ride the Lightning because uh, it's super cool, like, that part. Because they, they use Tesla coils, like, yeah. real Tesla yeah. coils. And, the thing. and not just, like, you know the like seventh grade field trip to the museum of science and industry Tesla coils. Yeah. The things were like two sure. stories. There fall. was
2: one part where like, it looked like lightning went out to one of the lighting rigs yeah. on the side that, you know, fold up at one point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is, are things going wrong? Like they, they had the it, Tesla they had, coils yeah. really were
0: freaking out. So just out. for that song, they switched all of the equipment to analog because when they turned on the Tesla coils, it blew out all the digital stuff. Oh, shit! So they turned, just for that one song, just to show you how much Metallica can afford, they used all analog equipment just for that one song. (laughs) That's insane! But anyway, so, Kirk is, and they had, like, you know, one of those guys who's like, I'm from 95, Will Rock, and I'm gonna come and do trivia with everybody, and then he's trying to get, like, Kirk to be hyped about it, and Kirk's like, yeah, it's a great movie, man. You know, I haven't slept. I just flew six hours to be here (laughs) for ten minutes. Like, Like, come on, man. But it's super cool to see him like yeah. introduce the movie, and then it was a packed house because everybody knew that Kirk would be there. So just like kind of the vibe of seeing it with fans, and you know everybody singing the songs along with it mm-hmm. and cheering and stuff. And what was so funny is just to show you how it kind of wasn't necessarily a super box office success. We go to what? the Mid- we go to I know we go to the midnight premiere, sold out, packed. Kirk's there. We go 7 o'clock later in the day, and it's me and 10 people. So it was like,
1: oh, well. But y'all, you know, they're all Metallica fans. You exactly. I mean,
0: again, for the concert footage alone, it's they called the call stage that they built for it the Swiss Army Knife stage because every song has a different prop coming out. I mean, Master of Puppets has got the crosses coming out that are all as tall as James Hetfield, like, they're yeah. all lit, they're shooting fire. It, it but then oh, the stage the collapses.
1: Part... Oh no. No, what was, what
2: was the <laughs> song that they did uh, where they had the machine gun That's oh, break report? That's one. That's yes. Oh yeah, it was right before one. Yeah. That was really cool. It had the even little just laser seeing, I, can't, I can't imagine seeing it in person, even just seeing the I footage of it. I have seen it in person. Mm. Uh, was was I was like this is really awesome. Yeah. The way yeah. that they had synced up the lasers to hit the sparks on the stage was I like really exceptionally well done. When
0: I saw that, at, when I saw them at um, uh, Orion Festival, when they did one, they did just that. They had lasers coming across, and it just went like pop 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 like yeah. it was machine gun fire, and it was. It's they're they're pretty phenomenal live. Um, when I they they played several different deep cuts uh some that were cool some that were like um okay uh, <laughs> like, like so I mentioned earlier that I, I got they played Diem baby uh, which is a deep cut off of uh, reload and at the end James Hetfield says well you've so now you've heard it whether you want to or not which is still like hilarious and then they also played um I disappear as well oh which fun. Is, it's like okay cool
2: yeah. I mean but, um, that song was number one on the rock charts.
0: I know. It was the first Metallica song I ever heard. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, How hey, sheltered you know? I was. Also,
2: weird fact about I Disappear, even though it came up out in 2000, it was already using the uh, Pots and Pans drumming from St. Anger.
0: True. Yeah, yes. He
2: was already didn't have the snare turned on. Yeah, which well. was, uh, And
0: Jason was still there for that. Yeah, that was the last thing and, he did with that. Yeah. And oh, that was the last it. thing he did with and that. And then
1: he disappeared. It's Indeed, and then he words. disappeared. But, yeah. um,
0: yeah, I mean they're the that they also played um Disposable Heroes, which is fantastic. They opened with Blackened into For Whom the Beltos into Disposable Heroes yeah. nonstop, which is like a triple threat. That's an assault. Um, yeah. They also played uh, The Day That Never Comes, which is a great one from uh, Death Magnetic. The, uh, they played a lot of stuff off of Master of Puppets. I think they did five songs off of that. Sanitarium, Master of Puppets, Battery, Orion, and Disposable Heroes. And then um, the encore is really cool. They played Turn the Page... Um, the Bob Seger song, uh, which is cool because it was in Detroit, um, and mm. then, uh, you know, Creeping Death and uh, Seek and Destroy, to close it out. I mean, it's
1: perfect. Yeah. You know, I so. remember in 2016, uh, they had a televised performance of the Grammys when they were actually performing A Moth Into the Flame with Lady, Lady, Lady Kla- Gaga. And during the actual performance, for whatever fucking reason... James' mic was cut off and it was so fucking rough to see but on I think it's on Lady Gaga's YouTube of all things she posted the rehearsal video of them
0: which is fantastic
1: it's fucking great and also credit to her uh, Gaga harmonized with Hatfield remarkably well they were able to actually stay and sing for a part of it
0: well that's because she can sing anything yeah basically
1: (laughs) yeah uh, right. Which is still like, it's still blowing blowing me away. But also now, I always enjoyed the performance, but then after hearing the story that was written about Amy Winehouse, and then you get Lady Gaga to kind of like sing it. Right, with the, it kind of takes on, on a new... It was uh, even
2: like that collaboration was more perfect than I even knew it was. Yeah. Knowing the story of the song.
1: Yeah. And also, again, given that their only other guest vocalist has been Marianne Faithful, I like that that, that, that happened. So more importantly, what's your favorite Echo Brain song? Um, I'm joking. I'm, asking, I'm actually going to ask, what's
0: your favorite Newstead, the band song? Um, oh, uh, uh, watch me actually have an answer. Uh, there's a song called, I think it's called Soldier Head, that was pretty good. I'll, Not really. You could have literally said anything, and I would have believed you. It's there's actual, there's a song called Jar of Taffy. It's kind of amazing, actually. What's funny is, so they <laughs> when, when, when he had Newstead, he uh, opened for Megadeth. And, and that's funny. on the uh, encore, they did um, "Phantom Lord" and "Whiplash." Oh wow! And and Newstead came out and sang the vocals and and uh, nice, uh, which is kind of cool. It's like hey, we were both the Metallica, you know? Uh, like uh, yeah, yeah. But
1: well, Newstead sounds pretty old hat to me.
2: <laughs> Was that supposed to be a joke? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, boy. oh boy. You also, uh,
1: Taron also, he did the extra credit on this one. He also listened to the uh, Death of Magnetic EP, the one that came out. Oh yeah. Beyond, Beyond Magnetic. Yeah, Beyond totally Magnetic. Totally solid. Yeah.
2: If you like Death Magnetic, you yep. can listen to yep. Beyond yep. Magnetic. Yeah. Because it's it, four, it's songs it. four songs. It's four songs and they all sound like they could have gotten swapped out and it still would have been as solid as yeah. yeah. an album. Yeah. I I was really there's uh oh oh what's it called oh just a
0: bullet, bullet away yeah
2: oh, I love that song it's so hard
0: <laughs> my favorite is my my favorite one from those four I think is Rebel of Babylon um, yes that one's really uh, good I I, I I yeah but they're they're all great it's funny because it's like yeah you could have honestly I like. Those four better than some of the songs off of Hardwired, so it's like they yeah. could have like taken those B-sides right, and just save them. <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But I also think, wasn't it? They, they put that out right after Lulu.
0: Yeah, so I, so think I
2: think it was kind of it, like, think it was like, hey, like a, hey wait, we are, we're still Metallica.
1: Yeah, yeah. We yeah. still do good music. Yeah, I, I promise. Uh, the other thing though I will say thank you so much Phil for actually uh, indulging us this week and listening to Lulu for the first time ever
0: you're welcome it'll never happen again so only for you guys um, how, how painful was your listening experience? um it wasn't as it wasn't painful it was just it was just kind of like uh, okay like I just I heard Taryn cackling. I, way, I
2: laughed out loud <laughs> at least three different <laughs> times while listening to because this Because when you
0: think about like the context, especially if you listen to the stuff in order, right? Yeah. Right. You've gone through all these albums, even Death Magnetic, where it's like, okay, Metallica, God, back, up, baby. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, the table and pump the blood and I am, I don't have the penis or whatever he says you know like I just this yeah yeah girl yeah, yeah, yeah I version better which is actually
2: <laughs> he doesn't just say that he repeats it about 8 times over the course marry of the song marry me marry me it's it's rough yeah. it's,
1: I, I Is this argue, a dog cuz
0: it's rough I would <laughs> I would argue that Lulu is the most um happy hour mini sodiest album that you've ever had on this program. Um it is so like well I I would I would say it's the worst album I've listened to
1: for the chartographers. <laughs> and you gotta think of the 50 plus artists that we've listened to that's, that's a bold that's, fucking and,
2: and, and we did a Weezer episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Episode before uh OK Human came out. Yeah, I know, so, their uh, new masterpiece. Watch me go. Uh, uh, <laughs> and we did a Weezer episode. Well,
2: we're also doing a Metallica episode when, like, yesterday
1: they were on. Well, I, well the thing is, we're recording this right before the uh, Super Bowl for the year 2021 happens. And afterwards, after the actual broadcast, Colbert is doing a live show in which Metallica is going to perform. Uh, I know through all throughout COVID they were doing their acoustic all within my hands foundation kinda uh Which shows. was quite
0: cool. Yeah. Um, it, it's some cool reimaginings of the songs. I, I, I like I like a lot of that. Um they kinda did a half and half thing too, um where they did part acoustic, part electric. Mm-hmm. Um kinda like, you know, we wanna still keep the electric thing going, the the ge or whatever you said earlier. That was the James Hetfield quote. Right, right, right. but uh yeah, they um in, including the, the song All Within My Hands off of Saint Anger, the acoustic version I was like, Oh, I actually kinda like this. Yeah. Um, but they're yeah, they're uh I, I like that they can take some of their songs and kind of reimagine them mm. as other things. I really cool. like the acoustic version of Disposable Heroes. It has kind of like this weird like almost six eight kind of driving feel to it mm. that's very cool. Well, one of the songs they did, we watched one of them was Black in Twenty Twenty.
1: Uh, which was a <laughs> new song which has absolutely nothing to do with the original End outside of just the name being adjusted uh, slightly, which I'm like, oh,
0: interesting. My favorite part of Blackhand 2020 <laughs> is the, the video they put out where James Hetfield is sitting at a desk with old man glasses on, like looking, reading lyrics. It's like, it's like oh, so now he's become Lou Reed. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: he might be the table after all. Maybe he he might be the table after exactly. all. Uh, well, are there any other uh, live recordings or B sides or anything else that fans should absolutely be? Checking
0: I would out? I would say if fans are going to check anything out, I would definitely say that they need to check. Um, one thing that Metallica is really cool at doing is since two thousand and three, they've been live bootleg official live bootlegging almost every single one of their of their live shows, hmm. um, and it's all available on Metallica.com. dot com. I don't work for Metallica, but. It's all available on Metallica.com. Yeah. Use my promo code Phil for twenty percent off. They, um, I totally would. Um, but uh, in twenty eleven, it was their thirtieth anniversary, and they did uh, four shows at uh, the Fillmore in San Francisco, which is like it was only for members of the Metallica fan club. And each night was uh, they played. They didn't repeat a single song except for Seek and Destroy, which closed out the show every night. Yeah. Um, and they opened with each of the nights had one of the instrumentals open the show hmm. uh they had um jason newstead came out every night um they had they had all uh, the guys from merciful fate come out and do that like oh. 11 oh, that's um, actually really yeah. cool. which is kind of cool for them to do that, right, right that's what i mean um and then uh they had uh the guys from diamond head came out and they oh, did a mini diamond nice. head set which of course is cool. they did yeah um they had uh fans each night a different fan came out and played a song with them like they Aww. picked them out of the audience my favorite one was one of the guys did bread fan and he's like the nerdiest looking dude <laughs> and he kills it and he kills it and but it just like compared to looking at them you know yeah um but it, it's a great series um if you can look it up it's it's really awesome, um, totally worth buying and streaming them. Um, so, they, so they
1: performed at the Fillmore, but it was a fan-only event? I think, yes. they, I think they would make more money if they opened up to the public. I think they'd be able to fill more.
0: I was wondering where you were going with that, man. Uh,
1: One thing I will say about the band, and I mean this truly, genuinely, <laughs> is that I was reading this interview with Lars uh, right before the Master of Puppets remastered uh, deluxe edition that they did in 2017, which had like... Yeah. Fucking everything!
0: It's uh, literally
1: like eight discs. It's so stupid. <laughs> but one of the things where he talked about he the "Justice
0: for All" one's even bigger. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. well, the thing is that I was just thinking about like for a band that and they're clearly good, they're clearly influential. I'm still low key surprised that they've been as successful as they have been. And I think part of that is, and I think it's due to Lars largely, is yes. they have a great degree of self-mythologizing that goes on. And in reading that yes. interview about the Master of Puppets remaster, he talks about how they have an archivist full-time on staff. Yep. Someone who goes to venues, who tries to hunt down original, like, you know, uh, soundboard recordings, mm-hmm. who tries to go to studios and pick mm-hmm. up tapes that were forgotten behind, if they're even available, like, who goes through and tries to find all these things so that when they do these elaborate remasters and deluxe editions, they actually have material to go through. And that just kind of spoke to the fact that, as crazy as all their artistic decisions may be, certainly, they still are great at self-ethologizing,
0: you know? And I, I, I think it's fascinating. Agree. Yeah, yep. and I think it's... I think. Their fan club and the way they build all of that is really, really cool. They have all of the set lists dating back from the very beginning. Uh, almost all of them are up there that you can find on on, on the set list Wikipedia site or on Metallica.com. Um, and one of the coolest archival things that I think you guys might appreciate is um, James Hetfield has a guitar called the Garage Days guitar. And the wood that the guitar is made out of came from the garage that they wrote the demos for Master of Puppets in. That's really cool. The garage got demolished, and somebody kept the lumber and built the guitar out of it and gave it to James Hetfield. That's really cool. So it's like when he is playing Master of Puppets, he's playing it using the wood that they recorded the original 1985 demos, him and Lars in the garage doing that, which is like the coolest thing ever. I love
1: that. that. I mean, that's the sound. I mean, the memories... Uh, One thing I will say, though, is I thought the load-reload backlash was so fascinating to me, of the fact that when these albums came out, obviously the sound changed, but also some people were so upset by the photos, like, they cut off their fucking hair. And the thing is, I didn't really fully understand the context, but then when I watched the music video they did for Until It Sleeps, it's just wild, man. Yeah, it's it's
2: based on um, the Garden of Earthly Delights, I believe it's called, which is... That Dolly painting, yeah. No, no it's all. it's Hieronymus Bosch, yes. um, but it is a very surreal Come on, like, man, it's depiction. Bosch. Yeah. It's a very surreal depiction of like uh, ha- Earth, Heaven, and Hell, um, and so there's a lot of imagery that they pull from that painting for mm. the video, including a guy getting swallowed by a demon. But yeah, it was it was very odd to like. To watch a couple of like to for the you know the video for one for example or or stuff from the black album and then you get to
1: Lars and a feather boa
2: right Lars and a feather boa with like big thick eyeliner and like oh they it, all had the eyeliner and kind Kirk of Kirk sure, has yeah. like green eyeshadow on and like and, and a his nail nails polish are painted, yeah. and I love it but I also understand
1: why Kurt, you know, why, why James was like
2: what <laughs> yeah why the, the the fans might might have been shocked uh, right. because they spoke so strongly against those things for reasons we
0: mentioned earlier right. about how thrash metal fans are yeah. um well one thing that i've heard about those tours too was they would open their encores by coming out and playing an acoustic set and taking like songs like motor breath that have no business being played acoustically and playing acoustic stuff and people would get up and leave like, what is this? Like, we didn't come here to see, like... sell see, see, like, you know, a Metallica Dave Matthews edition. You know, like... Yeah. I'm what you say! Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wanted you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, I I agree. And what's so funny to me about, space about space when space we talk room. about, like, you know even though Load and Reload and St. Anger are, like, critically panned, it's like, there's still... There's still good shit on there. And there's still multi-platinum selling records.
2: They do not have any albums that aren't platinum.
0: I know. Even... There's a really funny picture you can find online of Hardwired to Self-Destruct. it went platinum. And there's a... Since they now own their own masters of puppets and other things... Masters! Yeah. (laughs) Masters! I I was trying... That was my Evan Sadi impression. Um, But I, uh... I They uh, own their own masters now for their own record company. There's a picture of them presenting themselves with a platinum Stop. record. So like, <laughs> One side, they're dressed as businessmen, and then the other side, they're just dressed as themselves, and they're presenting themselves with a platinum I record. I love that! Which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I mean, all the way from Metallica, or the Black Album uh, being a 16 times platinum record in the U.S. Yeah. to... You know, they—they they definitely are. I would say, in terms of album sales and just about everything else, we've said the greatest metal band of all time. I mean, I no mean, I mean, one even really comes close. I was
2: reading that like globally, they're like in third place as far as like total album sales. I believe it. Like, they they
0: are—they're
1: the Taylor Swift of metal. They
0: had—I mean, <laughs> again, that's—that's that's not a bad. They had—they had 1.1 billion streams on Spotify last year in 2020. They had that. I Ooh, mean, what you made me do! Like, like. <laughs> I kind of feel like you just said that just so you could do the, what you made me do. Uh, but, uh. I
2: don't think you're wrong. <laughs> yeah,
0: they. Yeah, I mean, they, they are pretty huge in. Everywhere, especially in like South America and Europe in particular, they're like they're almost like a religion. And so, metal in general is huge in like South America for sure. But yeah. in fact, that's kind of been a criticism of them for a very long time. They would tour like everywhere else, but the U.S. because they're so huge in all the other places. It's like, okay, we can come to the U.S. and play a couple of arenas. Or we can go play a stadium show well, in Rio and you know
1: make billions. And right. I think well, even as they pointed out in Load uh, the Load era, they played Lollapalooza. Those fucking sellouts. But like you know, I, I wouldn't fucking
0: see Lollapalooza again. Well, they, they they just headlined Lollapalooza as recently, is like five years ago. Yeah, and they were they were, the, they were the rock act. Um, one other Load Reload era thing was that was one of the only times they've done SNL. And the host was Nathan Lane. So you have you you can find I think you can only find an audio clip of it, but you know how the host always yeah, introduces. Right. Yeah. So it's it's Nathan Lane going, ladies and gentlemen, Metallica! <laughs> 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 and, then go, and then it's James going, Give me two, give me five, give me, and like it's just like he would not be the one I would choose to introduce Metallica. <laughs> but then you could just tell he was trying to be all like Metallica! Metallica! Metallica. <laughs> the czar of Broadway himself introducing Metallica.
1: Tamisha, it's coming for you! That's a, a little shout <laughs> out for us, case. Uh But i would saying, hey, listen, we're going into this 42 minutes. Do you have any other uh, like a, an all-time favorite story of Metallica you want to tell? Something else that we haven't talked about? Um, Wait,
2: I have something. Darren has something. Go ahead. Uh, Robert Trujillo is zaddy. And I I am low-key in love with him.
1: Um, Robert Trujillo, if you're listening, thechartographers at gmail.com will give you Terrence number. Send us a dick pic to verify your.
2: No, wait, hold on. (laughs) Let's not go all the way there. I respect
0: Robert Trujillo and his body
2: autonomy. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought we'd talk about body autonomy out of a talent body autonomy? Is that Metallica's next record? I just, I
2: I just, I think uh, in a different way to Kirk, but in a similar vein. I just, he just seems like just a precious, like super chill guy. Yeah, super chill guy. Just like a really great person. And also, I love that he crouches so low while he's playing bass that he almost looks like he's dragging his ass on the ground. And then he'll like walk like that. Like a frick He for, looks like the beginning of for He looks like colors, a gargoyle like it. Yeah
0: it's, And he almost always wears Like a uh, board shorts And uh, like a sleeveless jersey uh, Yeah velvet, velvet.
1: I do kind of love That he joined
0: on And Lars or no one else No one
1: ever like Stopped him from dressing that way Or like changed his way Just like yeah Just dress That's dress like, and, Yeah You know I love that Yeah
0: though. Well I mean It's an icon- I mean, it's an iconic look With the braids And, and everything is pretty cool the, Especially uh, when
1: he's headbanging And the hair's just whipping know, around Yeah yeah For yeah.
0: sure For sure I, I, I can see what you mean Taryn I get it. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that there's uh, you, you just have to check out check them out live when we can finally go back to live shows and touring and they're touring again. I I mean they're they're one of the best to do it, and um, it's very funny to like they're they're a band to me where they will always like break records, and it's like when you hear stuff like oh yeah they had a platinum metal record in 2016. Well, like uh,
2: I mean. The fact that they had a platinum album in 2016 kind of blows my mind because in the, in the streaming thing that era... That's a that should not be. In the streaming era, that is a really difficult thing to do. There's, like, in this day and age, there's, like, three or four platinum albums a year sometimes. Sometimes there's more than that. But there have been years where, like, only a couple people managed to do it at all. Yeah. So the fact that they still... As a, a metal band even. Can still do that is like yeah. really impressive and just speaks to they like are you know unassailable at the top. They will always be there.
0: Yeah. yeah no matter what they do. Yeah, they'll always be they'll always be the best. Um I, I would say that um the another fun thing to look at is you can find videos of um Hetfield's hairstyles through the years, because there's some pretty big sins. There's some Mullet action going mm-hmm. on now. He got the handlebar mustache. Like oh yeah, the handlebars. He he's wearing cowboy hats a lot more lately. Um, I don't. He lives in Austin now. I think so. He moved out of uh, keep Austin He moved weird. out of that liberal hellhole of L.A. and yeah. uh, moved well, out. but the other thing,
1: as we pointed out though, is that they are no- n- notably apolitical for the most part. Like they have you know anti-religious creeds, They have anti-establishment things, but and they the are,
2: anti-war. Yeah, but they. I was reading Lars was talking about how, while they may have songs with messages, they never want to, like, seem like they're throwing their weight behind one ideology or another. Like, they...
1: And that's fair, I
0: suppose. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's just interesting, though, because they're just kind of this kind of more of a universal thing, but... They never, you know, were like, we're playing for John Kerry or we're Trump supporters or anything else like that. They were just like, we're still just a metal band. And I also feel like that's part of Lars's perception. He's aware of the public perception. Because even when people asked about, it, you know, about his Napster fight, like, did it go how you expected? He's like, you mean me becoming the most hated man in rock and roll? Yeah, that was the goal. I did it. How about that? You know, like, he was, he's pretty, like, he understands what the perception of Metallica is for the most part. And it's one of those things I think I appreciate that. But the only other thing I would say is that I appreciate Phil O'Reilly taking all the time in the world, to come up here and join us for a Metallica podcast to rank the albums to do the mini-sodes.
2: Filthy Animal Filthy
1: Animal O'Reilly filtered (laughs) without. uh, I just want to say... What? uh, Come on, we're so close to wrapping it up. Let me just say thank you you so much for being here. I I really appreciate everything you've had to say and and I'm glad we finally, after years of discussions, we finally got to do this.
0: This is one of the best podcasts out there. Um, I I am so uh, blessed to be here. Uh, It is absolutely my pleasure. And I'm so excited to come back for the Captain and Tennille episode. Oh, my God. I mean,
1: all I can say, do it to me one more time.
0: Because I have to, because I have to, I feel like I have to balance out the fact that I've done, like, two of the most legendary hard rock and metal acts. I have to balance it out with something... Light next time
1: i will i okay. will I, I appreciate that <laughs> i, I will that. say
0: though when you just
1: call this one of the uh best podcasts out there i appreciate that but i'd really more appreciate it if you left that in a review uh just uh, yeah, throw that on the website it helps uh drive up uh, helps other people know what the show is all about i appreciate it but all y'all twitter facebook get a hold of us at gmail.com, only if you're robert trujillo uh, but, geez, uh we all let us know phil thank you so much check how to see on Spotify, Taryn as always. I'm glad we got to do this. This is a blast. Yeah, and Metallica, I'll rock on forever, y'all. You dirty birds out there doing the rock thing. We appreciate you. I don't know but this is coming up. And with that,
2: with we are going
1: to fade to black. Yeah. Thank you so black. much for listening. Keep on listening. You know that we'll be. Have a good one, everybody. Be the table. Goodbye!
0: I just love a